Coming to you live from Parkview Studios, The Garage, this is The Brothers Catch-Up, a weekly podcast where two brothers come together just to catch up. I'm Sal Biazzi. With me, as always, is my brother, Frankie Biazzi. I'm really excited to podcast today. I've been thinking a lot today. I really feel... You just celebrated a birthday. You're two weeks ago. 28. A week ago. 27. 27. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for knowing my age, brother. People are going to think we're not real brothers. <laughs> and I was thinking how at age 31, I finally feel like I'm kind of coming into my own as like a human being, if that makes sense. Sure. Got a baby, house. I was thinking about that from like, the opposite perspective. I'm like, when am I going to start feeling like an adult? So, okay, so I was thinking about how you're 27 thinking you're 28. Would you feel what did you feel like at 27? My life was probably I hated myself so much at 27. Like my mid like to late 20s, I didn't like them at all. But in my early 30s so far, why why do you think that is though? I felt my most I don't know, I just think I was in kind of a low a lot of low points in that era of my life, but all, for a lot of different reasons. But I do feel like I'm very blessed and very grateful for all the things in my life and for you and for my family. But I think it's interesting how now we've always been this. You're like lagging behind a little bit. Yeah. So like you're going to, you might, I I wanted to tell you, this is what I was thinking about earlier. Hey, if you feel that way, I understand because that sucks. Part of me uh, moving from Florida back to New Jersey was like, like, I felt like, I just feel like I was never getting started on my life. Yeah. It was like, every year I'm getting a little bit older, and I'm still working a job where I'm not making good money. I enjoyed the job. It's like, but what's, I don't know. I, it's so tough. Like, 27, I truly feel lucky enough to be in a position where, to this day, I feel like I've never worked a job that. I've ever disliked. Yeah. Besides when I was like 16, I had my first job at a grocery store. You hated it. I hated that. <laughs> but like, even as like a teenager working at a bagel shop, it's an like awesome that. job. Yeah. Then I got to work at a trampoline park for three years and become a manager, You're manage people. It. Awesome. Went to Florida, worked at a pristine, beautiful private country club and got to play golf every day. So like, but at what point does that, do you look at that and go, okay, that's all well and good, but... I need to make real money to buy a house. Like, you know, like do normal life stuff. Or figure out what you want to do forever. Yeah, exactly. Our generation, millennials, I think are uniquely positioned here where most of us, and I won't even conclude myself because I think I'm in the minority, but most people who are millennials are choosing not to settle down in the traditional way. Nor Um, should they. Nor should they. If that's not what they want. If exactly. that's what you want, then you should do it. Exactly. So I think our generation is figuring out what it is still. And that makes sense because the older generations have held on to like institutional power a lot longer than they sh- normally would have. I won't say should. That, But in years past, usually they outlive their well, time. That's why that like whole okay boomer thing took off. Because yeah. like... Millennials are now, not I'm that, 30. Not that boomers are like, 
all of our issues, but yeah, stop working, dude. Like, <laughs> relax. Stop it. But a lot of them can't because our economy's been good. But we're getting into a whole host of other things. I'm just saying, and I think people relate to being in instead of in your late 20s and having everything together like we expect because of the way generations the past have. It's not really the case. I was very unsettled and disrupted in my late 20s and meta disturbed a lot about things that I couldn't control. And I still, you know, we're still susceptible to all the same things. But at the same time, I feel like at age 30, now what I've also wanted to acknowledge and what I thought about this morning is that I understand more now than I did then of course. how little I actually understand. And I think that's something that will probably continue throughout my life. And I hope it does. That, like, I have a better understanding of all the things that I don't get at all as I get older. Like, I know I know for a fact that everyone who came before me knew nothing. Yeah. And I've learned that. And I, think, and I hope I continue to learn More that things most like of that. this shit is bullshit. And if once you accept and realize that, you can then, I think, well, I think come into your own. I think a lot of that is just like, what if we tried to stop? What if we stopped trying to control life? Yeah, like everybody exactly. tries to control life. Like if you would have asked me when I was twenty-one, like, all right, in your twenty-seventh birthday in twenty twenty-one, where do you think you'll be? I probably would have. Guessed I had a kid, maybe. I don't know. I always wanted a kid young. Yeah. Maybe I'm married, doing something. Now I'm 27. I'm like, kid. Like, there's so I'm much, not ready for that. There's so many things me and Amanda want to do and, like, have these other plans of, like, how we're going to get to where we want to be in life. So it's like, life is ever-changing. So you kind of just have to, to roll with it. And to what you're saying is, like, I look back at me being 21 and I go, I didn't know anything then. Yeah. I can go back even further and go, I didn't know even more then. I'm sure in 10 more years I'll look back at this and go, man, did I know nothing. I'll listen to these podcasts and go, wow, what an idiot. Yeah, exactly. That guy knows nothing. And I think that's... But that's the beauty. That's good. It's, it's the beauty good of to life. be an ignorant human being. I agree. And I felt that today, and I, that's why I, I said to begin, I really feel like I'm coming into my own. Like I could take a deep breath and understand that the world is in chaos... But I I feel more peaceful now than I did a few years ago. If you weren't feeling unsatisfied, I hope that you're starting to feel satisfied because I feel like the the podcast network we're building it's a network now. It is a network. And the, tally the votes another survivor. And podcast. then our personal business ventures that we partake in. I think we're building a sustainable future for ourselves. And I think that's the only thing you can try and do is just try and survive. <laughs> You know, I've and raise up, children that can also survive. I've picked up a few things. I have like one core mission, core mission, belief. I don't know how I want to phrase it. There's one thing that I try to, uh, I try to live by. I don't do a very good job of it, and it's something I've personally found. Right? I look. I'm able to look back on younger me. Like, real young. Like, maybe, like, anywhere from 8 to 15 in that range. And I go, I was a really good athlete. And I, I was very talented. Didn't try. Didn't really put much effort into it outside of, like, 
You show up to practice. You play your games. Yeah, Maybe I like play training. outside a little bit. I was never training. Yeah. But you know what you what you know what you did a lot. You played outside. Threw the ball against the stoop forever. Yeah, well, that's why I was. A, th- that's a great point, and it actually proves my point even further. Of like, why was like why was I always such a good defender and I couldn't hit? Oh, I didn't practice hitting at all. I practiced fielding a bunch. And I look back, and I even go now to high school, and I go. And there's certain things I didn't have control over, but you actually do have control in the moments on like the things you want to do. Yeah. The things you want to do in those moments are like, if you really care about them, You'll put as them. much work into it as you can. And I look back now and I go, I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I hope now is that I never look back at another moment and go, I could have done more. But I think you'll. I think you inevitably will. I think so too. But but like for us with our business, I hope. Like we just got through our first year with me living back here, and I already am looking at that and go, we could have done more, could have done worked harder, could have done things a little better. Brian Flores is saying that. Next year, like I and that's really why I want to take this like very seriously going into like this whole next year is like. We can be way more. Like, and I, I don't want to at the end of next year be sitting here going, left a lot out there. Yeah. I want to be able to look at it and go, I did everything I could to make it work. You know? Yeah, of course. So that's that's what I so far in my life. That's what I found. Maybe in five years though, I'm gonna go. Well, that's unrealistic. Like, things happen. But I think, I think it's natural. And I think there's varying degrees to which people do that, but I think it's completely normal. And I think it's a healthy mindset. It's like self-accountability. So that, that's the age. If, and I think as me and you continue to grow as people, as brothers, as a family, you know, and you and Amanda, you know, do get married, do have kids, do find a place, whatever it is. I don't know. I think we're just going to hopefully continue to keep having wonderful conversations and discovering more about do you ever, these things. Do you ever think of like real long-term future things and just like, I wonder what I'll be like then? No, because I've always been, here's the thing. Two I tell in the Rachel moment? This, I've never, I've always been in the moment. Never been anything but. Which is good. But no. No, it is. It's good. But it's also got its cons. It's all like sometimes. hey, you should probably <laughs> you should probably think ahead. Which is why I'm which is why I don't know, it makes sense that Yeah. This we're all here. Well, so today I was driving in the car and I was thinking about like weddings. Cause obviously me and Amanda are trying to sort of plan a wedding that like we have no like desire to really figure out because 'cause we're Again, this actually ties back into like this whole millennial generation thing. Culture says you hit a certain age, you date a certain amount of time, you get engaged. We did that. Then you're engaged for a little bit of time, then you get married. Well, now we're going on like pretty soon we're going to be hitting like year full year 3 of like engagement. And it's like nothing's planned. But you know with society being what it is, with the economy being what it is, with just generational differences like do you want to spend $35,000 on one day when like 
you could just use that money to set yourself up for a good future debt-free and, like, really set yourself up for a nice life. Like, the the things we put value on it are, are weird. Yeah. So there's just all these, these different things. But I was thinking about weddings. And then I started thinking about, like, well, you have a daughter. And, like, one of my favorite things at a wedding that I've been to is, like, I always like hearing the father give the, the speech about the daughter. Like, I think it's very interesting. Like, I had one back in Florida. Uh, my boss, I was at his son-in-law's wedding. And his speech about his daughter, like, made me emotional. I was like, oh, my God. And then for some reason, I was just, like, thinking about you. Like, one day you'll give a speech for Rose, and I'll be at that wedding as, like, her old uncle. I'm going to be, like, 50. Maybe, who knows how old I'll be, but I'll be old. Be like an old man. Like, it's exciting to know, like, who will I be then? Who will you be then? Who will she be then? So I think about those things sometimes in the abstract, especially about a wedding for Rose in the future. Like, I do think about that. I think about, like, what, how many other kids I'll have or all these other things. But... In all honesty, and I tell Rachel this, like, I never expected to live to 30. Like, I, for some reason in my mind, I was like, 30? That seems like an impossible number to even achieve. 30? Yeah. I was like, that seems like I'll never get there. You were like, 30's my cap? <laughs> I was like, 30? Come on. I'll worry about things when I'm 30 when I get to 30. You barely have to try to live to 30. Well, that's what I'm saying. Now I'm here. I'm like, oh my goodness. That was easy. But I don't... I'm probably more looking towards future now because it's more important. You know what's cool, though, about that? You don't have to deal with any of the anxieties that I deal with. Probably. Like, all of my health anxiety about, like... Okay, I'll be very open to the podcast. I think I have cancer every other day. (laughs) Yeah, hypochondria. And it's a fucking awful way to live, and it sucks, and it really prevents you from, like, enjoying the moment, because, like... What if I'm dying? Every... Everything... You're dying. You're dying. I can promise you. If you're you're driving in the car... And your ear starts ringing. Yeah. Do you even give it a second thought? You're just like, that's weird. No, yeah, no. It's just okay. Weird. For me, it's like, I'm dying. Well, of course <laughs> it's ringing because there's a tumor in my head and I need to go get that checked. Like, so, like, that's the way my brain, and I think that's because, like, my whole life I've been so future oriented, but not, like, realistic, by the way. Like, I have this conversation with Amanda all the time. I'm not very f- realistic when I think about the future. I'm not, like, like, my future is You're like... You're not, like, planning it out. No, my future is like, well, when I'm a billionaire living in this mansion that's floating in space, like, of course I'm like... And I'm like, well, if I have cancer, I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, that's that's just me. Those are the burdens I deal with. See, but I think my mine comes from, like, it shapes my political views, too, because I think... For me, it's always been, I will worry about what is happening in this exact second. And I can just, if I'm breathing, I'm not dead. Good. That's it. So, like, every ache and pain in my body I've ever had, I ignore until, like, it is impossible to ignore it. Most of the time, it goes away. Well, this is why. That's what it is. But this is why you're so... There's, this is going to be risky to say in a podcast. Oh, I hope no. you take this the right way. This is why you're careless with your life. Oh, God. No, seriously. Like, 
you, the amount of time you spend on your phone while behind the wheel of a car is, don't say that it's frightening i would never do that no i think be open and honest about it like my phone is in the glove compartment i hope it's changed now that you're a father and you have to think about the future but like pre having a daughter oh yeah like definitely when T9 was around, by the way, the mo- the biggest driving hazard they ever invented was, was the touchscreen. Because oh. T9 was... Very simple. You never had to look. Oh, my God. Yeah. I could write... I could write the entirety of Romeo and Juliet, like... Have, like, maybe two mistakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with T9. How... Okay. And probably faster than anyone how, with a pen. How is T9... How is that technology so much better than, like, autocorrect now? That like, is interesting. I don't know. Like, even, like, and I've noticed it on, like, I've had, you know, most people stick to, like, one type of phone their whole life. I've had every type of phone. I've had Samsungs, I've had Googles, I've had Motorola's, and now I have an iPhone. The iPhone, by far, has the worst uh, autocorrect feature. Like, it, it, we're all adults. We say the F word. You don't need to correct my the word fucking to ducking. It is insane that that's Please don't thing. do that. Like, that happens all the time. It's crazy. But like on the Google phone, that never happened. Google was never like, do you mean ducking? <laughs> no, of course not. I mean fucking. So like, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, T9. Technology improvement. T9 was like Nailed. the best thing that's ever existed. But I, it was different for T9 because you were inputting the letters and it was guessing as it went. Yeah, it's not the same, even though it seems the same when it's a full keyboard, because like it starts to eliminate. Yeah, like T nine only had the dictionary ABC, and then if it D-E-F. ran out of words in the dictionary, it was on you to get the word right. Yeah. So, yeah, T nine was awesome. You ever, you ever like back in the day though, the people who didn't use T nine and just like did the full like hit each key oh three gosh, times, yeah. and wait for it to. Go. I can do that pretty good too, but like that was. Like archaic. T9 was probably the fastest way. I, you can definitely type faster T9 than you can now. I was like a Western gunslinger with T9. <laughs> wow! <laughs> there was an old commercial when swipe technology first came out. I love the swipe text. I, iPhones. I, but my Samsung swipe text, I swear, is it the worst. And maybe well, it's just me. I don't swipe anymore because iPhone swipe is awful. Google, I had the Pixel for the longest time. Good swipe. It was such a good swipe. I Google's AI is better. I predominantly only use swipe. That's Google but reading your mind. Now I don't. That's Google faster than you like, guessing the word you You could be so loose with the swipe. And Google like, knew, you want to say this. Google knew, and you're like, I'm yeah, actually your brain. But you do it with like an iPhone, it's like, nah, not even close. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, well, Apple's not... Apple doesn't have the AI that Google has. Google yeah. has the large... AI in the center of the earth, I think. But as shitty as the Google phone was, like, I miss it. I would go back to a Google in a heartbeat. I would plug back in the Matrix. What do you mean? I would, I would go back to never understanding real world government stuff. Government corruption. I would go back to believing today, that 9-11 was not today I started, a conspiracy. Today I started a podcast about uh, Joe Rogan. You started a podcast? Oh, you I, listened, I listened to, to a Joe podcast. Rogan. Uh, he had Michael Schellenberg on, who is an author of a book called San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. Okay. Guy's very left-leaning, very progressive, very liberal. But he's talking about, like, the homeless problem and... Like, what th- they're doing see- this wrong. Yeah, like, why is it not working? And he has, like, a very well-thought-out answer to it. He went to the Netherlands and, like, 
Amsterdam and he saw in Amsterdam why they don't have homeless issues and and he wants to implement these things in LA in California. And I'm so cynical now cuz like his idea is like it could be private or it could be government run. I would vote private, but that's me. And then he talks about like how it needs to be the centralized issue. They report to the governor and all these things. They go, that's not going to work either. Yeah. Because every, like, I'm so jaded. Like, I, I, I don't look at that and think of the positives that can come from it. I look at things now and I go, yeah, but someone's going to get in there and is just going to look to make a dollar off it. And, and they're it's going not, to. Like, it's just going to become corrupt. Like, yeah. everything else. It's got to be one guy. <laughs> we need a king. Is that what you said? We need a dictator. No, no, we don't. No, no, no. We need nothing. We need no ruler. We need complete anarchy. But I would run for office as a dictator. That's right. I've said that. And I think I think it would work. Like a violent dictator takeover, but in a democratic voted way. I think hey, it'd be interesting. Hear me out, guys. Like, hey, vote for me. This is what I'm going to do. I'll kill them all. I'm not going to worry about laws and... Veto power, laws. any of that stuff doesn't yeah. matter. But Forget here's what it. I'm gonna do, and then here's my platform. And then I promise. I say, listen, in four years when you can vote again, I promise. If I lose, like that's it. I'm, I'm out. But those four years that I'm there, I'm be a terrorist. It's it, no, I'm not say terrorist, but things are gonna look different <laughs> when you go to vote the next time. <laughs> oh my god. I like my. I still like my anarchy boot rule. Oh my god! I wind up. I find myself talking about that rule all the time. Let's explain it to uh, it's Tommy. It's the same concept last week as like Black Monday in the NFL. It's a great idea. Not working. Hey, didn't work. Get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. It just so happens that the get out of here is not you being fired. It's you getting your head lopped. And off. in the era of like Squid Games being a popular show, oh, that's another thing I want to talk about. That Squid I'm Game? watching Squid Games. Did you start it? I watched episode one. Okay. I don't really like Unimpressed. it. Unimpressed. I like it. I'm 50-50. I don't like it in the sense that I don't think it's particularly good, but I am watching it dubbed, so I'm trying to give it credit in certain respects in terms of like dialogue and acting and all that, because like none of it really I'm watching translates. it in Korean. Reading it. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. But that's because I, I speak Korean, so it's easy for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the dub is pretty good. But the show itself... At first, I was really, and at, at still, like it's not just like it ended, but at first, it was too, I don't like gratuitousness when I feel like it's like the appeal of something. I like things, I think things can be gratuitous and be artistic and fun and good. Like, I love the movie Kill Bill, and that movie is gratuitous. So funny, gross. when you say that, for some reason, my brain goes to like the first Kingsman movie. Yeah, I like that movie. Good movie. Not too not in my opinion distasteful. No. Squid Games got on my distasteful side right off the bat. That first episode? The first two, three episodes, like I'm I was like but I kept watching because it has so much broad appeal. Like so many people are watching it. And I don't usually watch right away when things are popular like that, but there's literally nothing else in my life that I'm watching, so decided let's put it on. And now, because I think I'm on the last episode, I think I have one more to go. I will say I like the show. So like watching it, I want to know what happens. I want to see how it ends. Um, 
But I don't understand why, and I believe the push for it is really artificial. I think it's a Netflix just propaganda campaign. No, it's money, maybe. Because I don't believe that it's as popular as it is. Because it's not that good to be that popular, in my opinion. I agree. Um, but I've only watched one episode. But like everyone, like the Halloween costumes that are gonna ha- pop around. Like I, I, yeah. I kind of thought about that just in the sense of after watching that first episode, Amanda was like, oh, "I'm not watching the rest of this. Like that's not her cup of tea." That type of show is not a lot of people. Exactly. Of why is it so? Yeah. There's why no is reason. it the most watched show on Netflix? Ever. Yeah, there's no reason for that. It's weird. I but I thought the same thing about um but you that know movie. What, but you know what I've come to when we're talking about how we're jaded. I think it's soft disclosure, because you know I believe this is just the for some reason this is like a now a pop culture like phenomenon like it's like this acceptable is real to, like, talk in some about. form. You know why we've talked about the movie The Game. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but we've talked about the game with uh, Michael Keaton. Not Michael Keaton, Jesus um, Lord. Douglas. Michael Douglas. Have we talked? We've not talked about that movie on here. But we've talked about it before. On here? Not on the podcast, but me and you have talked about it before. No way. I've never seen the movie. I couldn't. There's no way I could talk about it. I think I've told you how much I don't like that movie. But, like, I think the movie is probably horrifically accurate. I don't like the movie itself because I think it gets. It's too. I just can't talk about it like i can't i think it's so immoral same thing with school games like we're talking about stuff that's so immoral but things that i believe are not based in fiction yeah so when it's presented to the masses as like this fiction as essentially porn like this is now it's pornography it's not sexual pornography but it's like violence pornography and I think it's to prime people when we finally understand, like, this is something that's happened before in reality. In some f- in some form. Yeah, no, not... Really I don't that, know. I So I don't disagree with you. Um, like Epstein Island? Like, we talk about Epstein Island. And I'm glad we do, because there was a long time when talking about Epstein Island was conspiracy and craziness. But... Maybe some version. What, got, what gets lost in the Epstein Island stuff and the fact that Epstein Island didn't, Epstein himself didn't kill is himself how, in jail. Is how evil. No. There's not one Epstein Island, dude. Oh, Epstein yeah. Epstein yeah, Island yeah. had mansions in Manhattan, uh, in Manhattan and and ranches in New Mexico. There, Look up so many. Uh, there's a Canadian guy. There's a guy from Denmark. There's, there's out of Omaha, Nebraska, in Boys Town. The BBC with, with uh, Seville. Yeah. So like these aren't these are people don't understand what they are. Yes. So Epstein becomes a phenomenon. Well, I think okay, and it becomes an isolated thing, and people get to like separate it off from. Well, here's what yeah, here's what I actually almost think. Then <clears throat> is that the reason why shows like this, like a Squid Games, actually does have that kind of appeal? Because it's uh, one of the, those things where people, no, people it's real. know, but don't ever want to actually think about. Or is it like the is the cultural awakening? Because now Netflix is global. Mm-hmm. Is the global consciousness to the reality of these things? No, making it's getting it, there. Making it so viewed though, like because people, there's enough people who know it's real. So no, like, I. 
I don't know. I kind of think a lot of it is... I think it's artificial and... I think a lot of it is... I might be totally wrong here, but like it's that movie Parasite, that one, the Korean movie. Yeah. I think we are in this weird... Korean soft power moment? No, no, no. Uh, woke moment of like, it's cool to think things that just aren't American are better. Yeah. Which is, which is fine, but like, I think it's like, oh, well, I watched Squid Games and like, I watched it and read along and like, it's so good. Those, like, it's, it's the Korean mass, but like, I think some of it has to do with that. I think Korea has, South Korea has excellent foreign soft power marketing. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it wild that like, how different they are from North Korea? Yeah. Oh, so Tommy, I was talking about Squid Game with Tommy and Tommy didn't like it either. Okay. But he was saying, he goes, there's another North Korean show that's, like, way better that no one talks about. North Korean? South Korean? Uh, South Korean. Uh, it's called F- uh, Falling on You. Okay. And it's about... I want to watch it because it sounds actually incredible. This woman who goes paragliding or something in South Korea, as she's, you know, on, on her little glider flying, a storm rolls in. She gets caught in this crazy wind. She gets pushed and she lands in north korea now she has to figure out how the hell to get out of north korea and she i was like that sounds fascinating but that came out of south korea like isn't that fascinating to you like in south korea they're like wonder how they portray north korea i know that's why i want to watch it i was like it can't be accurate but maybe it's like very accurate i don't know um but since we're on the topic of watching stuff you know people like We'll always like rewatch the Harry Potter trilogy, uh, not trilogy though, series, series, movies. different, different movie series that people <laughs> love to rewatch. Yep, I found mine. Okay, the one that I go back to. I thought it was The Office. You go back to that a lot. No, but I'm talking movies. Okay. I love the Ocean's movies, man. They're good movies. On HBO, I watched over this past two weeks. I made Amanda watch them. She'd only ever seen the third one, and it's like. And she likes the movie, but she didn't... The third, one's, the third one's probably my favorite. As we got to the third one, we're watching it, and she goes, oh my god, I didn't understand anything that was happening before. I have but so much I more context. I'm like, yeah, because the third one, like... She goes, I, was, I didn't... The third one goes, has so much closure. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I didn't really understand any of it. And I was like, oh. But the first one's good, the second one's good, the third one's good. I'm the not going to watch one, the new one, sorry. The I'm second one is a little weak. I like the second one. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Is that the egg? Yeah. Julia Roberts? Yeah. But I love that. Like, I love the Julia Roberts thing. Like, it's really cool. Very interesting. I've probably seen all three of those movies combined, like, 15 times. Like, all three together? Yeah. No, well, not all three together. Like, a total viewing. Like, I've seen each of them multiple times, but I don't know how many. I... But, so there's a thing that happens in in the movies that Amanda hates. And it's Brad Pitt, and it starts in the first one. It goes all the way through the third one. Brad Pitt and George Clooney are the, the heads, right? Like it's Rusty and Danny. Yeah. the The idea is that like these two are such good friends, and like they communicate, and they don't really say words. Like they'll be like, "Oh, that means, yep," and then that, "Oh, yep," that, and like they won't finish sentences, and it's just like left up to like, "Oh, they they know." And it makes Amanda cringe, and she goes, I think the reason why you like this movie so much 
is because you think this is what cool guys are. I'm like, <laughs> that's it. You nailed it. Like, Brad Pitt is so freaking cool in those movies, man. I want to steal stuff. I want to be a thief. But like a real thief. Not like punch an old lady in the mouth and steal her money. Like, heist. It's true. Like, pulling off. Have you ever seen a- Catch Me If You Can? No, but I want to. You should watch it. It's on Netflix. It's on HBO. It's on everything. And He's, I just, it's like that in that movie, too. I want to be a cool, like... It's like, oh, my God. Is that a, I'm going to do that. I yeah, I want to go be a doctor. <laughs> I can go, like, just bullshit my way through things. That sounds great. He did nothing even bad happen to him. Right now, he's working for the FBI making a ton of money. It sounds awesome. <laughs> he's listening to our podcast right now. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Hey, reach out. Um, want to do your segment? Oh, yeah. So, I have another... So, we have a weekly segment that's going to be coming back. To me, it's gonna be coming back. You're, we're gonna. It's gonna be a recurring segment, like we always say. All right, what we got? It's getting cold. You know the movie Inception. Yep. I always think about like what item I would bring with me if like if you had like one talisman that like you needed with you at all times, like a physical thing that like mm-hmm. for some reason. I always like like when I find items. So bullets are really. <laughs> I like holding bullets. So I got these fake bullets now that I'm holding. Thought that'd be a good one. Do you have any items that you would like to hold as a physical manifestation? Is this this segment every week I'm just going to pick a new object and I'm like... You have to find an item that would be a good, like, talisman. I thought you were serious. I thought this was going to be a good segment. Oh, Um, this is a good segment. An object? Well, like... Like the top at the end. Yes. Okay. Uh... Well, like, I also have a 50-cent coin that I like to carry around sometimes. I also have ADD, so I like to fidget with things, or ADHD, or whatever. Yeah, I like touching stuff, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, it's not, like, one item that I'm, like, I carry around with me. I don't believe in that kind of crap. Uh, like, lucky items. Yeah. Like, but know, that's not what this is. And no, I know, but it's things you like to hold. Like, there's like nothing... Sen- this is, like, a sentimental thing, too. You know what it is? I lose everything I put in my pocket. Like, it'd be like, if you got shot, and they pulled the bullet out of you, and you, they gave it to you, like, you'd keep it... Over. i put it, like, on a chain. Yeah, or yeah. something. Is there anything like that? Like, I have my necklace, too. Like, this necklace I wear. Like, it's kind of like that. It's a physical thing. This isn't a, the reason why I say okay, it'll be a weekly here, recurring segment. By the way, is because we've said that about like eight different segments we've brought in at the end. Here's of the mine, and I know what mine is, and they never come back. Ever since Lance Armstrong <laughs> came out with the Armstrong Livestrong bracelet, silicone bracelets, I fell in love with that. Being in like third grade, people had on the yellow bracelet. Like, I want one. The first one I got was like three sizes too big, would fall off my hand, but I loved it. I've always been a little self-conscious of my wrists, so I always like having things on my wrists. I've worn a silicone bracelet for and Lance Armstrong 15 years. Turned out to be a big scumbag with those bracelets. But who cares? They turned into so much <laughs> more than fast. just like the They're yellow. so much bigger than Lance like, Armstrong. When was the last time? All right. How many people wear silicone bracelets? A ton. How many wear the classic yellow lip Not shot? None. It doesn't. They don't exist. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I think... Is that, that's actually a silicone bracelet you're wearing right now. Yeah. See, I'm glad I asked the question. I've I never not. I don't think I've for like th- right now. There's just a sky zone. This is a podcast. They mean nothing. Two brothers to get to know each other. But I like wearing it. And we just did. You're welcome. I think I'm gonna get a 
a silicone bracelet tattooed on me, so I don't have to wear them anymore. I saw a cool tattoo of like, um, I guess it was a playing card, but it looked like it was stitched, like a patch that you put on a backpack on someone's skin, and it looked 3D realistic. Good, that's pretty cool. It was awesome. I was like, I would get that, but there's no artist that you could find. What it has of, to be like one guy. That's what kind of playing that. card would you get? Do you have I a favorite? I don't playing think card? it. Does, I don't think it has to be a playing card. I think it could be anything. Just get a patch on you. You could make it look like a patch, like a stitch patch that you put on a pack bag. Like, do you know stuff. my ten of hearts story? You almost got a ten of hearts. Or you have a ten of hearts. No. Okay, I'm gonna tell this story on the podcast, and then we can end it. Okay. Back when I was living in Florida, I was going to that golf school. We had a party one night, went to kids' apartment, we're all hanging out, having a good time. It wasn't a ton of us, there were maybe like 10 people. We're drinking, it's fun. And we start playing a game with cards. And one of the decks of cards at this house was a uh, like a deck of cards that you would get from like a strip club or something. Yeah. Where like all the dancers are on the cards. So we're we're just like going through all the cards are like spread out on the table and the one kid's like putting them back in, into a deck and as he's putting them back in i said did you see that girl that did you see the 10 of hearts like she was she's beautiful better looking than any of the other people on the card and she goes no 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 he didn't see it and he puts it back in the in the deck so now the deck is complete and i said give me the deck let's start shuffling I said, do you believe in magic? <laughs> and I, I don't know magic tricks. I don't do magic tricks. And he's like, uh, he goes, I, I goes, I don't, he goes, yeah. I was like, okay, well, do you believe in fate? Or no, he said no. He goes, no, I don't believe in magic. Said, do you believe in fate? He goes, I believe in fate. I said, watch this. And I just keep shuffling. We're just talking for like five minutes. We're just talking about fate. And I am not paying it. I'm just shuffling cards. <laughs> shuffling cards. And I put the deck down. And we continue to talk. And now, like, at this point, it's just me and him. But other people are starting to, like, what are these? What, what is happening? Like, you're David Blaine. <laughs> and I go like this. And I go, are you ready? Like, do you feel it? Like, it's, like you have to be committed. Because, like, if you're not committed, like, this isn't going to work. And I go, are you ready to flip that card? And it's going to be the ten of hearts. And he goes, he goes I'm, I'm ready. And he takes the top card and he flips it. It's obviously not the ten of hearts. Because, like, <laughs> I don't know magic. And I was like, well, but wait, I said, flip the next card. It's obviously not the Ten of Hearts. Oh, but I should say, by the way, before I got to the, I had him cut it. I said, cut the deck anywhere you want. Yeah. Now the top card, right? So then that whole thing happens. The top card, second card, third card. I go, okay. So I'm just playing with you. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to grab the deck flip the whole deck over and he grabs the deck and he flips the whole deck over and the bottom card is the ten of hearts <laughs> me and him just looked at each other and started crying like there was no way and then like it's easy to just be like well it's just on the bottom but, like no like because of him cutting it think about how a cut works yeah he cut two of the card yeah like he had to cut two of that card and then stacked it so that one when we flipped the whole deck over it was there it's on. It was the most ridiculous. I almost got a ten of hearts tattooed on me because of that moment. That moment. But it wasn't. Didn't have a woman on it. 
Yeah. You should have that tattoo. You should have had the whole the, card itself. I would have. But, like... Well, I have to find that specific deck of cards so we could get that specific ten of hearts. I could probably find it. As a patchwork. Yeah. We have to find that artist. So my attachment to, like, cards is, like, the ten of hearts is, like, for some reason a card I like now. Just because of that moment. Decks of cards are pretty cool. They would get a talisman if you needed to... Yeah, like a, like a unique deck, though. To keep with you. I have black standard bicycle yeah, cards like that I really those like. Yeah, like cool. Alright. Well, thanks for letting us squirt with you. We'll talk to you later. Have a nice night.
Welcome to After the Squirt Sports. I'm Frankie. With me is Sal. We're miserable. See, even even the intro music is less excited. You know what? I think I figured out where that's from, by the way. A real sports channel? I think it's just like a, a very rough... I don't know if you can tell it's very rough. But like a very no, rough interpretation very of the... Of the Barstool Sports Advisors. Oh my god, it is. It is, right? <laughs> you ripped <laughs> off. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> but, like, I like that show a lot, so, like, it's in my it's head. In your head. It yeah. just comes out. That's so funny. It is, yeah. It's exactly what it is. I knew it sounded familiar. I was like, this sounds like something. But I don't think it's anything that we can get in trouble for copying. Like, if it was well, ESPN I mean, or something. It's also not. Even if it was ESPN, it doesn't matter. It's not. Close it's coming enough. out of your mouth. Isn't that like, you're just, like you're just humming <laughs> random sounds. Um. That's so funny. So I don't know where I really want to... Like, this doesn't have to be long. I just think it needs to be said. The Dolphins are bad. I watched Flo's press conference from earlier today, and I'm, I'm back on not firing Flo. I really like Flo. Um, today I was at the gym. Just stick with him, man. I was at the gym, <laughs> and I was, like, ready to walk out. I was, like, leaving. And the dude in the locker room takes off his shirt, and I just happen to, like, catch his chest in the mirror. And he had a huge dolphin logo tattooed no on his shit. chest. And I was like, anything? and I had to say something. I said, Dolphins fan? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I said, it's rough right now, right? And he's like, yeah, it's not great. And I said, it's okay. He goes, I said, I feel you. And then we started talking. And I was like, are you? Just like literally just talking about the team. I was like, yeah, I mean, when you go into a season with playoff expectations and. It's this bad. It's rough after ten and six last year. He goes, you get it. He goes, you know. And I was like, what do you think about Flores? You want him gone? He goes, he goes, no. Like, he goes, I think it. You can't be too quick. He goes, you got to give. The, you got to just give it a chance, even if it's bad now. He goes, you got to let it see if it gets better. Yeah, you got to just ride it. And if it doesn't get better, you're going. You to- still give him next year. And I was like, I think so too. I was like, it's got to get real bad for you, and it's already real bad. But like, you got to ride out the season because it can. I don't know. It could stabilize. I, I, well, that's the thing. Is like I kind of do, but this has now been outside of after the Raiders week. After the Raiders week is when I was actually the most down. Every other week, it's been like after the loss, I'm miserable, and I think th- things can't get worse. Then the next day, like on the Monday, I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe it can get. Maybe I'm being too negative. You know what I really think about Brian Flores, and I've come to this conclusion now, and I've always thought it. But as after seeing the way we've started this season, I'm more firm in this belief. If Brian Flores was coaching in the '60s or '70s, he would be one of the best coaches I think in the NFL. I think the fact that there is no hardcore two a days and training camps and drill sergeant co- like practices. Belichick's the only only one left. For real. And I think that Flores is hard nose, like, love you like like your stepdad approach to this. Yeah. Works really well. And that's why, like, over the course, after the team goes through this grind, they pull together and they figure it out. I see a lot of development in this team. Like, well, the pass, the pass protection wasn't great yesterday. It was fine. But the O-line was okay. Yeah, the O-line, wasn't, the O-line didn't kill you yesterday. Yeah. But I almost think, though, like... This is as bad as it can get. 
I mean, you're gonna even if you lose next week, it's not gonna get worse yeah, than this was rock bottom. You this lost is rock the bottom. worst team in football. So lose next week, win next week, doesn't really matter. You're gonna get stomped by the Bills probably, whatever. Yeah, who cares? But like, show me your improvement. Show me something. Um And you didn't do that at all yet. The but, only thing, but the only thing we can take comfort in is the fact that Tua Tungabella well, played pretty well. That's where I, th- I think that's where my, I don't want to say positivity comes from, but I'm a little like, okay, like we can do this. It's funny because everyone was killing the defense today, and I think the defense really should have been killed the last, last two week. weeks. Yeah. Um, they were just terrible. This week, they were bad, and they were against a terrible offense. And they made one of the most unforgivable unforgivable mistakes I've ever seen from an NFL team. That last second play? Yes. Yeah. So, all that is bad, but overall, I saw a lot of good from the defense. I agree. That's where Considering I, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard were I'm, there. I'm in the same camp. I actually thought, like, I saw people killing Baker. I Baker, Baker looked had, I think Baker had his best game of the year. Baker looked like he didn't want to play the first five weeks. Yes. He looked like he wanted to play yesterday. He was making big tackles. Uh, he was in the piles. We still, I mean, we still do, for some reason, if you go back under the Flores era, go back and watch games from last year, go back and even watch games from 2019 when we had no roster and we were trying to lose. Well, not trying to lose. We wanted to win, but didn't have the talent to win. That's crazy. Um, the, the, those two teams were so good at tackling. They were physical teams. Like you, It doesn't matter in 2019 that we weren't a good team. You were scared to go play the Dolphins just because, like, hey, they're going to be physical with you for 60 minutes. Yeah. We don't, we're not and doing that. fundamentally sound. We're not doing that no, this no, no. year. And, like, as much as, yeah, that must be on the coaches, I don't think, the, like, this is where I get torn. To, uh, exactly. Yeah. Like Because I'm the same It's boat. on the coaches. It is I, the I see a lot of things that are on the coaches. But remember, the coaches the are young calling, rookie coaches, too. The play calling yesterday is disgusting in certain areas. The play design. Dude, is the, what was it? The first play of the game when all three of our wide receivers are standing in a line next to each other on yeah, the left? Ridiculous. Like, that's crazy <laughs> to me. But on the other end of it, I'm like, I really do think... like. It's, don't you have a different vibe with Flores than you had with Gase? Of course. Yeah. Like when you when it, we were both excited about Gase after year one. Yep. Once we both soured on Gase, you knew why. It was like this guy isn't it. Me being sour on Flores isn't like this guy isn't it. It's just like it's not working right now, and I don't want to wait. But like, if you give Flores time, I legitimately do think it'll. But the thing is, like, I don't want to wait. Like Correct. you said, but I think that I think that this is our fault, and it always is in Dolphin World. But like, our expectations were unfair. I don't think that's true. I don't think the expectations were unfair. They were. This is only year two of the rebuild in reality, and year one, which was last year, was fantastic, and we wanted it to be a building block forward. But sometimes you take two steps forward and you take a step back. It's so like. This can be, and I which said is it, why I think you have to go next year. Which is why you have to at least get to the end of the year. Because, like I said from the beginning of the season, it can be a step backwards. Like you can be eight and eight, and seven I think you and can nine. even seven and nine, and sit. Well, seven. And depending ten. on how it goes, it can be seven and ten this year. Considering f- to a miss four games, depending on how he plays the rest of the you year, you almost how the get team looks, a four game. If you're six and ten, or well, I guess at this point, it'd be six and eleven. Six and eleven could be. Fine. Yeah, but if that's but that's why you need it to win the Jaguars game. 
You need to win. You so needed many, to be able to say to win, like at this point you needed to win so many. Of the but games you, you needed just to lost. be able like as a coach you needed to be able to be like, hey, we're two and zero with our starting quarterback. Yeah, like that's a nice, like hey, we only lost games with our backup. But now he lost the game with your starting quarterback, too. And it's not on him. But that was a coaching loss. Yeah. And he played... He's one of the bright spots. The bright spots in yesterday's game were Gesicki. Which is why I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of the two of slander. I can't take it much more. I'm going to lose my mind. And I'm not fighting with people trying to be like, he's really good. He's a, he's going to be the guy. I don't know if he's going to be the guy. But you can't... The, the criticism and hate he gets, I think, is so unfair and unfounded... Well, this is where we have to learn from our mistakes because the real failure of the Tannehill era was never on Tannehill. The failure of the Tannehill era was on the front office of this organization and the coaching staffs of this organization to always want Tannehill to be the answer to all the other problems. And there was never a real attempt at figuring out what else was wrong because everyone was so focused on Tannehill. You said something beautifully today, and I don't even think you thought... Realized how good of a statement it was. You said our whole team's strategy is like, all right, Tua, what do you got? <laughs> like your your strategy can't be like your defense didn't make a stop. You're down a bunch of points. You can't run the ball. You, you can't you run the no ball. One, you you no can't one, block for your blocks. quarterback. It's like, well, it's too we fair though. Yeah, like he's not Mahomes. You don't have this. He's not, he might be. Someday. He might be someday. But, but like, you can't expect your 23 year old. Injury prone, and now at this point, riddled. Tua's got the body of an old man now. He's broken every bone in his body multiple times. <laughs> his a- both ankles. Like the blessings, the blessings of Drew Brees' career was that there was a team out there that understood that in the right environment, when everything around him worked, Drew Brees was one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Yeah, like Kirk Cousins is limited in every aspect of his game. But he works hard, he understands other defenses, and he can put the ball in places where the defense won't ruin your day. If your team is good enough, you'll win games. Tannehill went to Tennessee after a career in Miami and was on a team with a good defense and a stellar running game, and he had to pass the ball 25 times, and in those 25 times, if he got the ball 10 to 15 yards downfield, they were going to score a touchdown. Okay, well, this is what I was going to say. Two things. Number one, you watch a lot. In the past few years, how many Titans games do you think you've watched? A lot now. A lot, right? Well, I like watching I love Tannehill. Tannehill. Love My watching. boy. Does he do anything with the Titans differently or better than when he was on the Dolphins? Not really. The Not only really. Thing, actually, the only thing he does do better in his new career since his leg injury is protect the football better. Okay. So let's say, meaning just like... On he doesn't fumble strip, on sacks as sacks. much. He still is prone to it. He was bad with the Dolphins. That was a legitimate criticism. Okay. I heard today the take that like... You, like This is on part... I'll say it was on part of my take. They're talking about the Dolphins. They're talking about like wait-and-see quarterbacks. And they're talking about Tannehill. Like, well, Tannehill's good now. I'm like, no, like... Tannehill's the exact same kind of guy. It's not like he's better. This idea that, like, in order to be good in the NFL... You have to win on the Miami you have Dolphins. To be, you have to be um, a Josh Allen type, an Aaron Rodgers type. You don't You don't need those those types of skill sets. Like, Justin Herbert, cool, he can sling the ball down the field. That doesn't make you a good quarterback automatically. You have to be able to avoid the games where you cost your team dearly. Yes. Like I now, don't care. Two has made two really bad mistakes in his two complete games so far. Two neither, really bad picks. 
Neither have come back to hurt him. Now we'll see what happens going forward. But Tua's in his career not been a very he's not interception a, yeah, he's not a quarterback. Pick thrower. And you can tell based on his performance yesterday. But the one yesterday, that's one of those ones where it's like he'll like if he plays fifteen years in the NFL, he'll never do that again. Maybe. You hope. But the thing is, like he's never been a quarterback who throws many interceptions. So he might never he, the hope is that we'll get to the end of the season, he'll have five or six interceptions. So, And he'll have like close yeah. to 25 or 30 touchdowns at this point. Jameis Winston played a whole season with 30 interceptions, and is still a quarterback in the NFL. But if you look at two's numbers from game one to game two, they improve dramatically. Dramatically. And he's going up against a bad defense next week. And he's but, really, and really honestly, the Bills defense has played okay. I want They're a, not as good as we make them look. Here's what I want. I don't care if we lose next week, because at this point it's not even about wins or losses to me. It's yeah. about how do certain individual players look. I want Kasiki to look awesome. I want Waddle to look awesome. I would love for a running back to emerge. It's not going to happen. At this point... And it, I want to see Tua do well. Isn't it interesting how Gasicki is now like, you have to resign him? Yeah, you have to. Don't you feel like you have to? You have to. Because if you, you don't resign him... Who are you? All of your draft your picks. Talent? You've, he's a draft pick. Yes. That you he's can hang great, your hat on. He's a great draft pick. How can you let him you win? You can't. You can't. And you, you have, have to pay him. And you're going to have to pay him. And you're going to want a lot of fucking money. You're going to have to money. pay him a shit ton. But you're going to have to. But you have to. Because, like, you have nothing to show for so but many dude, draft picks. Like, he's worth it, though. Like, Charles Harris is, my thing, is getting sacks for another team right my now. My thing is, like, the Dolphins don't have cornerstone guys. Players, yeah. That's why I was so heavy into, like, making the whatever the contract negotiation you had to make for Xavier Howard, yeah. I was on the side of, like, do it. I'm actually opposite that now, and I think you should trade him, but it's too late for that. You his made value, your bed. His value's not there. His value's a little bit lower. But well, how, actually, often, the how often do the Dolphins... Friendly, but you're not getting... How often do the Dolphins have the best player at a position? Yeah, or no. a top... Not even the best. The top five guy at a position. Gasick is a top five receiving tight end. Maybe he's not the best blocker, but he makes your... We, you, we saw it yesterday. When the ball finds Gasicki and Waddle, the offense works. I agree. It's that simple. What you have to see happen on the rest of this team is the offensive line has to continue to improve, and I would now move Hunt to right tackle. I don't care who you put at guard, but I would put... I think Hunt looks to me just... And I don't watch film anymore. I used to like really pour over game film and all that stuff. I don't care. Do you like pay for all 22? <laughs> No, but I re- always record the game and watch TV. That's always been good enough for me. I'm not a scout. But, like, just to see. What just I watch, see. like, different things. To me, Hunt looks like the best lineman on the line. 100%. So I would move him to right tackle. <laughs> like, I don't know why you wouldn't put the best guy at the most important spot. You have, in my opinion, the worst guy there, Jesse Davis. So I would put Hunt at right tackle, and I would say to the five guys, and whoever you put at guard with, Davis or someone else. You have to protect to it. Like, your jobs in this league, the money you make because of this gift that you have of being a large athletic person is dependent on whether or not that young man behind you is going to play the rest of the season. If he gets injured for any reason, if he misses any stretch of time, it's on you. It's an indictment on all of you. Yeah. Because I need to know if I can, if my job is dependent on him. So you're going to cost me my job. Yeah. I'm going to cost you your jobs. 
play as good as you possibly can, like humanly possible, or you're gonna not have. You careers. won't have a job. Yes, and believe me, you won't get a second <laughs> chance if you can't do it here. Yeah, you're not gonna do it anyway. No one wants you. It's not like oh, you didn't cut it on the the Dallas Cowboys on the Dallas Cowboys, and now you're a Let dolphin. Me give him a shot. You're a dolphin. You couldn't make it as a dolphin. Now yeah. you're gone. And most of you are like backups. So like, yeah. Good luck. And then I would say to Tua, Tua, look. I'm going to give you all the games this year. I can't promise what's going to happen in the offseason. There's a lot of good quarterbacks out there, but I can promise you this. You will be forever ingrained in this city and in the hearts of Dolphins fans around the world if you show any signs of life at the position you're playing. And I've watched you now for years, and I've seen you do miraculous things on the football field. I don't want you to get hurt, but I want you to become a leader here. And I want you to make yourself a home in Miami. And the only way that happens is if you play positive, successful football. That doesn't necessarily mean this team wins because we're a rudderless ship. Obviously, the pieces around you are dysfunctional. We're working on that. But look at Dan Marino. He is a fat 60-year-old man who never even won a Super Bowl. And we parade him around this facility forever. And we never will stop. Never. Because he is a god. He's a god. You can be a god. He's Dan the man. <laughs> yeah. So so just try. He and will hopefully, be buried in aqua and orange. Yeah, and hopefully you'll play next season. But we can't promise you that until we see what happens this season. But go out there and show us something. And then I would be, if I was, this is if I were, I guess, Brian Flores or Chris Greer. And then i stand up in front of the defense and I would say, what the fuck has happened through six weeks? What has happened? I came out of week one saying... At least I have my damn defense. And there I am a week since six, and I I think there should be milk cartons with all your faces on them. You're all scrubs. And I'm sick of you. That's a good message from your coach. <laughs> like, I'm sick of you. You all suck. <laughs> I hate this. You Go get another me, job, losers. <laughs> watching you makes me literally physically ill. Coleman, salesman. <laughs> Row, insurance salesman. <laughs> Accountant. No, you're terrible at math. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. I think that's exactly what this team needs. But I'm telling you. Do you think they're doing that, though? They must no, be. No. I don't <laughs> think they are. That's the problem. It's the same thing when, like, the Yankees were having their struggles this year. Like, the things I wanted them to be saying in the locker room, like, I, that's no, I know that's not what the conversation is. But isn't that interesting? Is. The conversation is never what you want it to be. Isn't it interesting, though, the difference from when you know your team has the talent to win and they're playing, they're underperforming versus when you know they're not good? You know my idea is, if I ever have a team? What? I think coaches, GMs, owners, I think too, ma- too much of the time, they get too close to it. So when things start going bad like they are now, I think they I think they know what the problems are, but they don't necessarily know how to address them sometimes. And I think you almost need to hire like a collective. Like you find ten really knowledgeable diehard fans. Yeah. They watch every game. They're not at practices, they're not anywhere. But once things start going bad, you bring them in. And you just have a meeting. Like, a what's fan going on? Advisory board. Yeah, like what's going on? What yeah, are you guys Steven seeing? Ross like, a fan advisory board. Like and then they come in and they go. Honestly? Did you see that? And they'll be like, wow, we, we totally missed that. Like, that's you're right. We should be doing Like, I think that's needed. Because too many times they get too close to these issues, and they just they don't 
see what needs to be seen. See, but that's biased because it's no different than the analytics department of the Yankees. Well, I agree. I think they need a fan advisory board. You just think you need guys who... You need, like, an alternate room. You need an alternate room. You go room. into the analytics department. And you don't have to do anything that alternate room says. <laughs> yeah. But you gotta have you gotta ideas. Hear you, you gotta go, hear okay. <laughs> I don't think you're right that we need to sign all these all these players you're telling us, but like I, like, if, I like the input. Like, if Hal Steinbrenner had to consult with us and we were like, sign Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, obviously. Yeah. Like, like they're gonna be stupid. cornerstone players for you forever. stupid that you're not doing People are gonna it. buy tickets. And they're really Do you think good. they would've won the World Series by now if... 100%. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado? Manny Machado were playing with Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. Well, here's the thing. I think the team is different. I don't think you have Giancarlo. But I think I think yes. I think the answer is yes. Because <laughs> you have Giancarlo. For as good as he Gio- was here. For as good you as think we would have traded Giancarlo? He was here already. No, no. But that's what put us out of the Bryce Harper thing. But I'm saying if you're going to do all of it, I'm yeah, no, you're 100 on World Series. Like if you would, if you would have been because the Dodgers least, tried to do it, I think you at least get back. I think you at least get to the World Series. Maybe you don't win it. Manny Machado is a Padre. Bryce Harper is in Philadelphia. Yeah. If Bryce Harper were simply in pinstripes because he was Dude, the best free agent available, and that's what the Yankees are supposed to do. Max Kellerman yeah. is a loser. I don't but he was like so Max right. Kellerman. But there's you can go back and watch it. That like ten minute piece on like Bryce Harper being Bryce a Harper being a Yankee makes me like warm inside, even though it never happened. And like I don't know. I just think like I love Gio Urshela. He's really good, but like Manny Machado's ten times the player Gio Urshela is. For real. The production is just different. Yeah. So like like in Glaber Torres, really good second baseman. He's a terrible shortstop. So, like, you, you, you finally figured Manny, that out. You're going to put Manny short. Like, this year, get Carlos Correa. Like, get him on this team. He's the best player. Don't worry about who you have in the farm system. They can, if Volpe winds up being awesome, he can play third. Yeah. Or Correa can move over to third. We'll figure it out. Talent wins. Your, your numbers win sort of on paper. Like we, as we know, we've seen it. Like sometimes the analytics don't always play out because over a large sample size, there's always going to be times when the numbers aren't right. But if the Dolphins had no expectations, you wouldn't feel so sickened. Every well, I think time that's they... I think that's the majority of it. Like if this was the Dolphins of like last year, let's say this is year two of the rebuild. Yeah. And this is the start. You go, all right, listen, we didn't have our quarterback. The offensive line still needs a lot of work. There are a lot of young linemen. Uh, then Tua comes back, has this game, and you lose, and you go, hey, our quarterback looks good. Our receivers are hurt. Like, we know, like, next year, like, really what you got to hope is that the defense figures it out figures it out so that you can continue to improve the offense because I think the offense is what really needs, like, work. Like, you need another wide receiver. But I think we got to remember the but- – I, I do think if it, what I'm saying is like if it's the second year, I don't think you're like sickened at these losses because you're like it's growing yeah. pains. But because of last year, you go into this year and things are different. That's that's your fault. You and shouldn't think, have been so good. I think we just have to also consider that Flores and Flores is a young coach, and his staff is even less experienced. Look, at, so. look we go back to the Yankees. If the Yankees didn't have the 2017 run, that yeah, like you wouldn't. They they weren't supposed to have that run. Like, those were a bunch of rookies. They went to Game 7 of the ALCS. Like, if that didn't happen, 
are you as disappointed in this team for not make you're you're disappointed for sure, but you're not like you can't go, well in twenty seventeen they like we never got as far as then. Oh, you wanna hear me Cashman slander? Yeah, fuck Cashman. I always defend Cashman. I say He shouldn't have a job. No, I don't disagree. On the Yankees. His twenty year his twenty year would be a great Mets GM. Run of always making the like how many years he makes the playoffs and all those things. And I do think it's an important thing for us to consider how successful win loss he is. But I was thinking about how shallow some of those t- these teams are in this in this run. It's not really great. Like well, that that 2017 run was good. But if you remember the years before and after it, like the Gary Sanchez run in 2016 that was fueled by like 20, old aged guys and then like Greg 2015. Bird. 2015, you make the wild card game and you play the Astros in that single game. That was a Yankees team where we knew. Like, I mean, going into that, that was like, was that the first year of the single wild card game or is it the second year of I think it? It was the first one. Like, you knew you weren't going to win that game. Yeah. Like, your only hope is, like, Tanaka pitches a shutout, and we somehow get a run. But that whole team, that whole year, was, like, was bad. they didn't hit. Yeah. And then you could go back to 2013, 2014 with bad. Vernon Wells and Hafner. Crazy bad Sure, teams. they won, like, 85 games. 2012 was awesome. Then go in between 2009 and 2012. 2010, 2011. Um, made the... 2011. Now, you both made playoffs both years, but, like, those teams were, like, that. There, there was injuries, a lot of injuries and stuff. A lot of injuries in those years. Tashara and A-Rod got injured a bunch. So, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. But there are years, like 2013 to 2015, and then 2016, and twenty, and then the 2018 to now run, we know. Like, these teams aren't really... They, no. On paper, a lot of the times, we go into the season saying they're good, but we always... They're not. How much like, How much has success... Aaron Judge saved Brian Cashman? A lot. If, Brian, if Aaron Judge isn't a top-five MLB player... But it's a lot of it is talent evaluation, like... Like, guys will come up, and we're like, okay, this guy is... We think he's X much better than he is, and then we rely on that. Yankee fans overestimate talent, too, because of Cashman. Yeah. Because we have, like, oh, Cashman pulled a cash god move. Look what he did. <laughs> it's like... But, like, like a lot of the success a few years ago was, like, the Talkman yeah. injury team that somehow just was rattling off wins. That team was fun. But, like... But that's not... That's not none of that's good. No. Dude, I... So I I understand a lot. Last of night watching the Dodgers and Braves, that Dodgers team. That's a good team. Are down 0-2 in this series, but man, top to bottom they got some players. Although it is weird that like AJ Pollock and Steven Souza Jr. like get a lot of playing time. Like that's weird. Um, and then the Braves too, dude. You know who the Braves who won that game for them last night? Freddie Freeman. No, oh, I wasn't watching. Eddie Rosario, man. Oh, yeah. I wanted him. Eddie Rosario, I know I did too. That that dude is so good. I want Freddie Freeman. Yeah. You need a first baseman? Want a lefty? A lot of people are saying trade for Matt Olson. But I don't want to trade and give up a ton for Matt Olson. I like Matt Olson. I think he's a very good player. But All right. All right. That's it for sports. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.